They tried to stop my shine, but I said, hold up. Y'all know how many hoes done tried to hold this hoe up. Talk to music. Now it's MJB, raw to the dog, up for the battle, down for the cause, fresh like thigh high boots with no creases, and let's talk about our August releases, I know we late, but it's an act of God, and we here. What's up y'all, I hope y'all have made it through this ridiculous storm, I mean, it feels like like I said, I was going to do a show um, about some of Mary's August releases last week. I show up at the place. It's all locked up, bolted up, windowed up, and everything like that. I was thinking to myself, I understand why Mr. Tyler Perry got his own studio. Because he could film a Loretta Devine miniseries on any day of the week. Nobody could tell him shit, but I'm outside with a laptop and a um and a headphone set standing out in the rain looking stupid. But anyway, like I said, it's an act of God. I did the best I could uh, for ya, because you know I love y'all like that. And I probably should introduce the show at this point. Um, welcome to Craig's Pop Life, a black gay excursion into popular culture. I'm your host, Craig Seymour. You know me. I've been writing about pop culture for more than 20 years now. You can read some of my writing at um, rnbeing.com. I'm also an author who has written a number of books and is fighting with the publishing industry as we speak to be able to write many more. Um, there's the biography, Luther, the Life and Longing of Luther Vandross, my memoir about being a grad school stripper hoe, All I Could Bear, My Life in the Strip Clubs of Gay Washington, D.C. And yes, I plan on seeing that. What's the movie called? Hustler with Cardi B in them. And Jennifer Lopez, yes, I plan on seeing that. So I'll give you my little inside stripper takes. Though I never stole no money from nobody. Um, and my novel about three generations of black gay men looking for love called Who's Your Daddy? And lastly, um, my biggest project for this year, um, didn't know it would take a year, but it did, uh, Special, The Life and Art of Janet Jackson, and that is coming very soon. And I'm thinking about doing an event, um, in New York or something. I just feel like New York is kind of central, you know, it's not central, but, um, it just seems like a lot of people I follow on Twitter, but it just seems like a lot of people are New Yorkish or New York adjacent or, you know, whatever. Anyway, so I might do that, especially if you all tweet me and stuff and there's interest and whatever. We could have like, you know, just, I don't know, we should do it maybe, um, you know, maybe like a week after the book's out. So if, you, if any questions, we could get a little DJ playing a little like, nice jam and stuff, just real laid back, just real you know, just people talking. So I'm thinking about that. Um, and I also have a website where you can find links for the songs and other stuff I discuss on the show. It is easy to remember. It ain't nothing but craigspoplife.com. So like I said, this is a edition of a show that I planned to do last week, but Miss Dorian had other plans. Um, and I swear, it just seems like Storm's just... Are different these days because I mean I live 
all the way to the bottom. I live in Miami Beach, right? So people are always concerned about me first. But then I have family members all up and down the East Coast. So it's kind of like, even when it misses me, I'm then worried about this person, then I'm worried about that person, then I'm worried about another person. And so it's like two full weeks of just, okay, where are y'all staying? Well, when are you evacuating? What y'all doing with the dogs? What it is exhausting. I just, it's, it's some new stuff because I just feel, um, you know, I am wiped out. But anyway, um, what I was trying to do before the month was over was to start talking about Mary J. Blige's trilogy of August releases. Y'all know how much of a huge Mary J. Blige fan I am. And um, the first one was Mary, which came out August 17th and celebrates a 20th anniversary this year. And then there was No More Drama, which dropped on August 28th, 2001. And then the very controversial, but one of my favorite albums, Love and Life, which was brought into this cold, harsh, misunderstood world on August 26, 2003. And I'm still going to get to, we're going to get to them all. I'm probably just going to piece it out a little bit. I see how people be doing these fan podcasts and stuff, because the moment you start going down one little rabbit hole, you have all this information. It's like, wait, unless I'm going to be like, doing a telethon this ain't gonna work so um but i'm gonna start talking about those albums partially because i learned a lot about them um but i i think we can agree and if we can't you can at me on twitter but like those three albums really set up the larger public perception of mary you know what i'm saying Black folks, especially young black folks, have been riding with her since you remind me. It wasn't a thing. She was not brand new to us. But it was with these these albums, this, this August trilogy, that her larger celebrity persona began to gel. You know, where she began be getting more accepted in true traditional soul contexts. You know, duetting with the Aretha's and the Whitney Houston's. And then she did the No More Drama performance um, on the Grammys. And just all of this kind of stuff. And I would even argue, I will argue this on a later podcast when I talk just about this album as I will. But I would argue that the lack of success of love, the lack of commercial success of Love and Life and chart success was one of the most important things that happened to her career. Because if she had just kept releasing, you know, the rainy days, the heat thing, I don't knows, you know, the records that hit her core fan base didn't really care about, um, it would have, it would have really, I think, you know, sort of destroyed her career. But I think core Mary's, like love and life like a lot of people that had just jumped on the merry train like maybe you, you know y'all would like hold the train hold the train i'm trying to jump on hold it hold it hold it or one of you one of them type of people to stick your umbrellas in the um hope the door don't close if you was one of those people then maybe you didn't get love and life because love and life was sort of with the music and the way she interplays with it was very my life oriented um, and just how she re reacted to the samples and just her lyrics, which were almost freestyle and everything like that. So all that to say, 
I think that was an important moment because sometimes you do need to go back to the drawing board and everybody's telling you this and that. And some of the greatest Love and Life songs um, didn't even make the album because there was this whole sense of, well, Mary's now this big pop star, so we have to put this... Um, you know, poppy method man thing out and we have to put out this 50 record and all that stuff. Were there tons of, like the record with Floetry didn't even make the album. How is that even possible? But um, that was um, something I learned about that. You know, the other thing I learned about that album, which was kind of interesting while I was doing this, is that Puffy really only worked with her for about two months on that album. And, you know, it can take months doing albums. So it was a lot of that was like, working in the studio on ideas and stuff, but it was also curating a lot of stuff that had already been done. So anyway, it's an interesting project. But what I'm saying is that I think from that, she really kind of went back to the drawing board when she did the breakthrough and really was able to find, she was really able to find sort of a synthesis between her new, more commercial sound and keeping some of the... Um, you know, the more hip-hop elements that OG fans really liked. So that's what I'm saying. I think this is a very important thing to set up for the breakthrough, and I'm not sure she would have ever gotten to the breakthrough without having that moment of reckoning where once when what you're doing doesn't seem to be working anymore. But I'm talking all about that album, and that is not the album that I intend to talk about today. Um so the, the funny thing about it is, like I said, I had just noticed, because I'm one of those people, I'm horrible with dates. I don't know where y'all find the dates that things have been released. I would love to be one of those people, you know, like if Tina Marie's um, birthday was coming up, I would have my Tina Marie picture settled. Or if, you know, something was coming up with somebody I really like, a Gerald Levert, or just something that I would have my whole, you know, all-in tweet debt ready to auto-tweet and what have you. I don't know where y'all be getting these dates. I just thought, that, is there a database? Is this a black database that I am not connected to? Is there a membership fee? Is there an initiation? I just don't understand it. But that's why I'm late on this kind of... Um, you know, that's what I'm late on this kind of stuff, and I was so late to talking about Mary's August album. But like I said, I was just thinking that she just released a bunch of August albums in August, and they were successful, So they and it's about a year between albums, so it just worked out that way. Very similar to when she became kind of December Mary, like with the breakthrough, and then after that, the Greatest Hits album, and can't even remember what comes after that, but there was a while she was like December Mary, because um, those records were hitting right before the holidays. But... um Mary had hooked up with former Bad Boy Bad Boy president Kirk Burroughs. Um, and this is one of the weirdest stories to me, but um, Kirk and Puffy were so close that um, Kirk is actually Justin's godfather, you know, Puffy's eldest son. But child, like in 1996 or something like that, some thug shit went down in the office one day, and according to court reports, it was all I have for certain, Puffy came in the office just wilding and with a baseball bat. Like, you don't walk into you a place of business, unless you are, are work for the um, Major League Baseball. You don't walk into no place of business with a baseball bat and not think that you're going to be starting shit. That's just like a requ That's the starter kit of... 
Are you start? Are you starting shit? Okay, this is your starter kit. It's gonna have a, a baseball bat in it. So came in with the office, just wilding, threatening Kirk with the whole ass baseball bat over some money issue. Needless to say, Kirk didn't stay at the company long after that, and this was around the same time that Mary had distanced herself from Puffy for the Share My World project, the album that proved to the world that she had excellent musical instincts and could make hits by her own damn self. So all of these really, really important things were going um, on. And so once Kirk was away from puffy and then mary was away for puffy they found and um they found a management partnership and it was really ambitious it was um you know very overtly to expand her role behind beyond just of the queen of hip-hop soul they wanted more acclaim from the rock critics they wanted to get some grammys and they wanted her to speak to r&b um fans of all generations this is something that Kirk said about um, while they were making Mary Ab- the album at the time. He said, The reason why we were dealing with all those criticisms were people who loved R&B, saw Mary as ushering in, say Mary, us- Mary ushered in as a hip-hop vehicle. The people in hip-hop loved what they were hearing, but they couldn't discern it. It was the greatness that could also be R&B, jazz, and everything else. They loved it for what it was, so they kept it in a box. Always kind of crazy to me, but um, I mean, because I'm thinking of songs like, you know, Love No Limit, or Nita Baker could have sung that, you know, and I'm thinking of songs like I'm Going Down, which Rose Royce did sing, you know, so I'm thinking of songs like Our Love off of, but, you know, it, perception is what matters. It doesn't matter. You can say something to the end of time if somebody doesn't perceive something as being the way it is then it doesn't matter. And I agree, there was not the perception there. And this was also the time the music industry, like coming 99s, you know, we were coming out of the hot, hot hip hop soul, you know, post New Jack Swing moment. I mean, you know, Mary, you know, she's knocking on the door of 30, you know what I mean? And like a lot of other more traditionally inclined artists, more traditionally musically inclined artists like D'Angelo, Erica Badu and, and Lauren Hill, they were making hits by doing more than just singing over tracks. You know, they were pu- pulling out their guitars from which way they were. They were putting out their keyboard and organs and, I don't know, whatever Maxwell plays and, you know, just dragging all sorts of instruments everywhere. But the point is, <laughs> that was a different scene than when you would just show up with a DJ that would do a track, you know, which was um, really the revolution of the 90s. And so Kirk also knew that Mary could play in this lane, in this traditional lane, because every all the new people loved, I mean, Erica Badu worshipped Mary. You know, D'Angelo, I'm sure, loved Mary. Lauren duetted with Mary on her own album. So Kirk, I think, knew well that she could fit within this context, um, but they still had to make a compelling musical argument. So what they did was they planned three albums. Okay, so the first was called Mary, which was the album that is called Mary. Um, the second one was going to be called Mary Jane, No More Drama. And they expected, in advance, they expected that to be more dance-oriented. And then the third one was going to be called Mary J. Bl- Jane Blige. And, of course, we have no idea what that was supposed to sound like 
<laughs> or whether they would have ever got the title because it shifted to um, Love and Life. And, um, oh, this is another thing. Right before Puffy signed on to do... Um, signed on to do Mary's Love and Life, that's when Kirk claims that he's tried to get between um, him and Mary. So that was part of the reason why their um, management situation fell out toward the end. So very, very interesting. Very interesting how all this stuff plays out into what we actually get to hear. You know what I mean? Um, But... For me, I don't know, something about the Mary album is, like, the Mary album came out at a really special time in my life because my career as a music journalist was really on the come up. And I'd gotten one of my biggest national magazine assignments by reviewing the Mary album for Spin. And at the time, I got another assignment. Um, Mary J. Blige's My Life was being included in Spin's top 90s of the 90s and so um I Chucky's you know he's from the DMV just like me so I went to his studio and um for him to play me some stuff that was going to be on the album really that's what I was trying to do I was supposed to just be there talking to him about making my life but you know first thing I do I see Chucky Thompson I'm gonna be like look can you play me some tunes um and they, Chucky and Mary were now back together in, in a working relationship because at first for the Share My World album, I think Chucky told me something like, Puppy said, I don't, don't you work with that bitch. I don't want you to do anything with her, anything like that. But calmer heads prevailed for by the time the Mary album came around and um, they were working together. And one of the most fun things that happened was just sitting with him and just listen. If you met Chucky, such a fun person, and you know he's just one of those people like he likes playing you his music, you know, and he knows that shit's hitting you, and he's he's not even really looking at you full blast because he knows you. He knows the shit is hitting, and just confident, knowing like it's like you're feeling good listening to music and you tell it's making him feel good. And, you know, we were riding around in his truck at one point, but then we went into the studio and he played me all this stuff. He played, there was this one incredible faith ballad, but he said it was never going to make the album because Clive was getting too involved in Faith's album and they were trying to move for more pop, but it was fantastic. I wish I could remember anything about it, but I can't. Um, But I'm sure somewhere in those hot studio mixtapes, some hot, you know, on some hot tape that exists. And then he played me this other song that was just so soulful and edgy. It was MJB singing about PMS over an Al Green track. And I just thought that the rawness was just going to endear her to her fans even more. And I just thought, I was like, wow, like she, in terms of opening up about her struggles and just whatever. Like, she has really taken it to a next level. I really saw the up and upping of the game. But the last thing he played me just blew me all the fuck away. I mean, I was not ready for this track. I had to hear it. I'm sure I heard it between four and seven times to the point it was getting on his nerve. But, like, all I know is started, I heard this old-timey um, gospel Clark Sisters beat. And then Mary gets to talking, and she's talking her confident shit, and she's telling some guy not to even think 
that the other men aren't checking what you lost. And then the clock sisters are going, yeah, 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 yeah. I swear, I begged him to play me that so many times. And every time, you know, I got chills and um, and goosebumps for it. So that is kind of like what my... Um, that was sort of what my sense of what the Mary album was going to sound like at that point. You know, I had the assignment to review the album. I had not yet gotten the advance um, copy of the album because it wasn't completed yet. You know, I had known Chucky played me these tracks, but of course, there's never certain certain what's going to be on the tracks of what's going to be on the album once it's finally done. And then I had this really interesting interview with Mary. Um, I was interviewing her. It was the same thing. I was interviewing her for um, Spin's Roundup, including my life in their best 90s of the 90s. But this was, you know, this was obviously on a personal day. And since Mary's songs are so personal... I think they often connect. And in this particular day, she was not having it. She was not with the shits with her in her relationship with producer um, Malik Pendleton, who did seven days on Share My World. And this also kind of colored my um, view of what the album was going to be like. So I'll just play this. Um, you said that writing is a healing process before, like, in one of your interviews. Yeah. Was this the case with my life? I mean, did you find that that helped you heal some of the things that you were going through? That was the album that has made me, you know, strong into the, the you know, the young lady that I am now. Mm-hmm. But it also allowed me to know and recognize it can happen again. And it has. It has, it has happened again. What can happen again? That... You, you could be with somebody, you know, and you think they love you, but all along they really jealous and mad and they hate you. But, you know, you got to watch a person that says they really, that, that gets mad when you don't believe they love you. Because ain't that much love in the world. You understand mm-hmm, what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's psychopathic. That's sick. Don't love me that much, please. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's where we were in that relationship. And that's where I was and where I, where you know, recently where I was, but not anymore. Mm-hmm. And, some, you know, it would be scary and psychopathic, you know. And well, I guess it's ongoing. I mean, you know, if you listen to songs like People by Aretha and Shaka, it's not something they just deal with one time, you know what I mean? It keeps coming back up, I think, so. Uh-huh. Yeah, it just, you know what it is? Because, you know, I, I don't, I really think that I, my first relationship was for me to deal with what I had to deal with this time around. Right. Because it, it is, it has taught me to see what kind of people are after me. Mm-hmm. Users, opportunists, mm-hmm. men that just want to, you know, they, they, they want to get on. They want to get on, but they want to use you and abuse you and shoot you down in your career because they're afraid of what they might do when they come out. Right. You know, but they got to make you feel lesser than so they can feel strong. Right. That's bull. And, that, and that's, what I, that's what my life is about, you know, triumphing and through that, but at the same time, I was suffering through that shit. Mm-hmm. Suffering big time. Not that I'm, but I wasn't the only woman, and I, and I wasn't singing it like I was the only woman. I wasn't writing it like I was the okay, only woman. Okay, explain that, because I know I've read before you said that, you know, like almost everybody that was around you at the time was in some kind of bad relationship or something. Right, my girlfriend, one of my best friends, Michelle, you know, mm-hmm. she was, we, we were going through the exact same thing at the same time. Okay. 
the same thing, same time, and we were right there for each other. You know, we fought together. We, you know, we had to literally jump a, a, a person together. And, mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? She got me through it. I love her for that, and I got her through hers. Mm -hmm. And we together. We still friends. You know, one thing I find interesting about the songs of my life is, like, you say a lot of things I think a lot of women don't say on songs. Like, uh, you gotta believe. It's like you're trying to reassure a man that you won't hurt him. And a lot of times in songs, it's like the other way around, you know? And, like, on, um, you know, on Be With You, you're saying, I know I was wrong for all that carrying on, but are you gonna hold it against me for life? You know, that's like some apologizing stuff you might hear like an R. Kelly say or something, you know? Yeah, but for some strange reason, men just will not believe that I'm faithful. I don't get it. And and I'm more faithful than a lot of women. Mm -hmm. You know, and I've had that problem in the My Life album. They just won't believe that I'm faithful. They don't believe it. So, I mean, that's their problem. I can't help it because God gave me something. I don't know what it is, but I love God for it because it makes them love me and makes them hate me. So stay away from me if you can't love me and trust me and respect me. You They're know? just afraid of your light. You think they just scared them? Probably. Of you. So yeah. Probably. Really. But you know that's that's the element that I was around at the time. I was around that element where everything was grimy. Mm -hmm. You know, so I you know I guess people look at my past and say, well she you know she's from a grimy element. So she's got to be grimy too, but you never judge that a yeah. book by his cover or people by the company they're around. Right. You know, because Jesus was around the bad company, mm -hmm. but he was the one of the lambs, you know what I'm saying? Right, you have to spread your message, you know. Right, how can you go around anything good and fix it? Right. You understand what I'm saying? You can't fix nothing that's fixed already. Right, and look how you've grown from being that, you know, so from being right. going through that. I mean, why do you think... Um, my life has touched so many people. You know, I mean, I have people that will not, like, they can't leave their house without, like, all their little CDs, you know, all the other CDs will change in their bag or whatever, and my life will, like, stay in there over and over and over again. I think because it's just a real, realistic album. It's just real, man. It's no bullshit in the album. Mm -hmm. It's straight heartache and pain, and, and that's it. There's no, there's no happiness in my life. <laughs> There was not one smile really? in my life, not so, one. Like, well, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, go ahead. So when you listen to My Life Now, what do you, when was the last time you listened to it? Yeah, I listened to it, like, recently because this, um, one of these girls I know, she's always listening to it. Okay. And she, um, <clears throat> it just, that song just put a, it just make me go right back to that time, like, Nothing has changed. When I put the album on, it's like nothing has changed. There I am again. Oh, you mean you can put your, you back in that place, basically? I'm right back. I, I don't. I just, I just automatically go back to that place. And how much, you know, because fans will be trying to read every little thing into everything. I mean, how much autobiography can people read, can people realistically read into my life without, like, you know, taking things too far? You know what I mean? Well, you know, uh, people of common sense and have common sense will, will read a lot. You know what I'm saying? Just, mm -hmm. just listening to the album, they would definitely hear that. Mary was a troubled young woman, and it wasn't because, you know, all my troubles and all my fears were because of me, mm -hmm. you know, but all the abuse and all the rest of that stuff was, you know, like, it, it was so unnecessary, for, you know, to just do somebody like me like that. Mm -hmm. Because I wouldn't hurt, I just don't hurt, I don't hurt people unless right. it hurt me, mm -hmm. you know, and it just seemed like things are purposely being done to me all the time, like, you know, purposely 
you know, saying things. Let's let's shoot her down today. She's too happy. Let's right. wipe that smile off her face. Right. You know, and that that goes on with me every single day. As soon as I'm too happy about something, here comes something. Yeah, but you know, a lot of people feel that way, though. I know I feel the same. I feel like as soon as you get into a good place, you know, something right. comes up, and it's, I think that's just life, you know. That's life, but that's that's what I, the name of the album is called, My Life. Right. And it's called Life. It's the book of life. Right. You understand what I'm saying? If you, would that be your favorite? Like, if you had to pick one of your albums to be included in like this, would that have been the one you picked? Well, my life would be my favorite album. Yes, it will. Really? My, um, What's the 411 is my baby. Uh-huh. But my life is my, my, my favorite album. And so, like, if I'm, because what we're doing, we're doing, like, a big behind-the-scenes piece. Yeah. Who else do you feel like I should talk to in order to get the My Life story, you know? Because I don't want you to feel like I'm trying to get all in your business. But, I mean, like, what other Talk to Missy Elliott. I've been trying to talk to Missy. I can't get Missy on the phone because Super Duper Fly was picked, too. So well, that's Latanya, a, talk to my sister. I would love to talk to Latanya. Maybe yeah. you can put her on. We can set up a time after I finish with you. Um, actually, well, why don't you, Mary, what do you think about Missy? Because um, Super Duper Fly was picked as one of the albums, too. Can, can you say can you say anything about Super Duper Fly like that I can include in the thing on Missy? Like, what do you think of that album? Like when you heard Missy album? Because I mean, you knew her from Sister, and then here she did come out in this way. You know what I mean? Uh huh. I like all Missy stuff. I love all Missy stuff. I mean, I just love Missy. Period. Mm -hmm. You know, Missy is a good person, and Missy was around back then. You know, she saw the hell. You know, she she was there. Because they were treating, you know, she was going through hell. Mm. She was going through hell. Oh, and we, and same time she was going through hell, I was going through hell. Because some people just don't know how valuable it is to treat any dog or any um, like a person. Because you never know what they're going to do when they treated that girl like shit and look at her now. And I told them, I said, Missy's out of here. They ain't going to do shit. Oh, all right. Sleep. And they slept. She's a billionaire now. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mary, what are your three top albums of the 90s? I really don't have a lot of, you know, top albums. I mean, if you're going to look because, back. Because, you know what? I love them. I like, it was so much stuff in the 90s that I loved. Mm-hmm. I can't, you know, begin to go on. I can't even, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, okay, well, I mean, like, just name some artists. Like, who, if you had, if you were going through your CDs and you mm -hmm. had to pick, like, a few you know, records of the 90s, what he would come to mind, like... Biggie. Okay, which Biggie would you pick if you had to pick? The Ready to Die. Okay. What else? And, um... Because I know you know your music, so I'm not going to let you... Um, you I'm saying, what was out in the 90s that, when I was around... You know, one thing, I'm talking to Pete Rock and CL Smooth later tonight, because their Mech and the Soul Brother was, um... You know, that was, that's been one of the albums that I've chosen, too. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought it was interesting because I was going back through the charts, and when They Reminisce Over You was big, I think You Remind Me was big at the same time. Right, that was in the 90s, right? Yeah, that was 90s. Right, I, I, yeah, that was one of them. See, it's so many. Right. If I just start singling out, I might miss somebody, and I that's don't want nobody to be, be you know, upset. You. Right. But it was so many of them. Pete, Pete Rock and Seal Smooth was definitely one of them. Why did you like that record? Because they always had, like... Like T Rock and CO Smooth, their music, they were rappers, but they always had music. Okay. Like they had beats that they sampled, but they made them those beats that they sampled so music. Like they added things. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it wasn't just a straight sample, you know? Right. 
and they always made like smooth stuff, like just things you could just you could feel, you know. Mm-hmm. That was one of them. And if you think, like, who's a big artist of the 90s, who would you throw out there? Like, Lauren or somebody, or...? Well, I think... I, I mean... Female-wise, I believe I'm one of them. Oh, you are? That's why I'm talking to you first. <laughs> why do you think I'm talking to you? <laughs> I believe that. Because I had to, like, I believe... fight somebody if you weren't going to be included on this. <laughs> I was going to go up there and go up to somebody's head. I was like, no, marry my life, period. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of women that were, you know, big in the 90s. Right. So, look, what can we expect from your new album? Because I'm going to try to hook something up with that, too. I'm, I would like to interview you maybe for, like, the Washington Post or something for that at a later point. But just tell me, Breathe, like, what's the relationship between my life and the new and Mary? Well, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm just oh, saying, what's the relationship two? between my life and the new album? Well, the relationship is that, like I told you earlier, is... It, it was to teach, you know, my life was to teach me what to, to look for and what not to go into again. Mm-hmm. But we're not perfect and we make mistakes. And I made a mistake. And here I am again. So you'll be hearing some real horrible shit on this album. <laughs> things that are just really fucked up and mm-hmm. things that women in the music business need to watch out for when they're dealing with somebody that's trying to get in the music business or somebody that's starting and need a push, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm, we, we, that's, you understand what I'm, what I'm trying to say? I exactly what you're saying, yeah. And, and that's, if I, you know, I've been used up again because somebody, uh, you know, just didn't care enough to treat me like somebody and understand my struggle. Right. So let me, let me get this girl happiness to do. So let me like make her feel really good and treat her like somebody. Mm-hmm. Let me trust her. Let me love her. Let me not third degree her. Let me give her what she want. And I got none of that. Mm-hmm. All I got was fears of bullshit, being cheated on, being lied to, being shut down, being told that I wasn't shit but a hoe, being looked at as a hoe, always women being compared to me. Mm-hmm. So now... I have a very first, but you know, here you are. I mean, look how strong. I mean, you know, you triumph once again. You know, and yeah. that's why I'm just telling you, Mary. You are in. I mean, you're an inspiration to everybody I know. And like yeah. me, me personally, when I see you up there on stage and stuff, and I see, you know, knowing the stuff that you've got. Like that time you performed with Seal in London, and just like I saw you at the Essence Awards. I mean, not the Essence Award, but the Essence Music Festival last year. Mm-hmm. And all the times, I mean, every time I see you up stage on stage, and you're talking about your life and you're sharing that with an audience and you're being you can be that strong so that you can open up your life like that in front of all those people i mean it really it makes me cry i mean it, it it's that inspirational so I just it really let you it hurts so bad a lot of things hurt real bad mm-hmm. and right now you know i mean we on we in an interview together and if i was you know i'm really fucking hurt right now mm-hmm. really messed up today this very day over you know, here we, you know, what I just said to you. Right. The same shit, here we go again. Just a different nigga. Mm-hmm. With a different way of bringing it. Hold on a second, so mm-hmm. Can you hold? Yeah. Well, that's basically the end of the interview. Because I, I forget where she needed to go, but I think, but she, I don't think she ever came back on. I ended up talking to Latanya and stuff. But when I listened to that interview, so much, um, I've listened to it so many times because it's Mary. But um, 
different things jump out at me differently. Like, I get totally what she's saying when she's with these men that want her to be bigger, but it's not really that they want her to be bigger. They want to be bigger. So they're constantly, you know, pushing her and trying to get her. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Why don't you dress like this way? Why don't you wear your hair this way? Why don't you do this? J-Lo's doing that. Why can't you do that? Why don't you get Cardi on the record? And, like, I have never been with a person in a relationship that's like that, but I've had friends that have tried to occupy that role, and it's the most annoying shit ever. It's like... I appreciate my friends who rock with me and rock with what I do and everything like that. I'm always game for suggestions on how I can improve myself. Lord knows there's a lot of room, you know, and everything like that. But when you get people that, like, want to push you, it's like they want to push you like they need to be pushing themselves. Do you know what I mean? It's like they think that they have the answer. And I'm always like, well, motherfucker, then why aren't you... Why haven't you solved the equation or whatever? You know, what I mean? if you have the answer, then what? Why? Why are we in the same place? Are you not even in the place I am? Like, help me, give me ideas, but don't take it personal, and then don't beat me down. Because then I've had people like I just thought some things didn't work for me, whatever, you know, and just decide not to do that, thinking people be cool. I mean, I've lost friendships over not taking somebody's suggestion on what to do with my career. Meanwhile, this person is still living. You know, I'm not even going to say, but I'm just saying, you know, that is so annoying. So I can't even imagine what that must be like to be in a like a, a romantic relationship like that. The other thing that really came up for me listening to it this time was just thinking about Missy and just winning the Video Vanguard Award and just how Mary says that they were really going through shit at the same time with the whole Jodeci camp, you know, with... um. Mary involved with KC, and then Missy, of course, being part of Devante's situation. And she said, Missy, I mean, Mary said, they treated that girl like shit, and look at her now. Now, this is Mary saying this in 1999. So imagine what <laughs> the context of that means, you know, now. And um, then, you know, like, I'm just getting all sorts of weird ideas about this music I have what her Chucky's played me and all this and then you know she tells me that because she's in a bad place there's gonna be some horrible fucked up shit so I don't know what I'm going to be expecting and um this was also around the same period that I got my first um journalism job and moved to New York and um became a correspondent at Entertainment Weekly so, of course, I'm super excited about this Mary album, what's it going to be, and how I got the inside scoop, and oh, yeah, oh, yeah, my homeboy, you know, we both from, you know, the DMV, oh, yeah, he played me these cuts, and so, oh, I was just talking to Mary the other day, and she told me that, you know, I was doing, I was doing a lot, you know, so imagine my great motherfucking surprise and disappointment when I got the promo copy of the album, and it did not have one of the songs <laughs> that I had heard. I could have made the entire shit up. I even called a publicist, but her publicist will not take no shit publicist. Her publicist didn't offer any explanation. Do you want the album or not? What? Um, now, fortunately, I love the album anyway without knowing um, sort of what Kirk and Mary were specifically trying to do, trying to position her with the album. Um I just I like the I like the whole vibe of it. Um I wrote this for Spin. 
On her early albums, Blige spearheaded the hip-hop soul sound, but for her fourth studio album, Mary, she nixes the rap cameos and hard-edged soul samples and instead follows her 70-soul muse. Mary relishes all the era's flavors, from the tell-it-like-it-is womanisms of Aretha Franklin, with whom she duets on Don't Waste Your Time, to the slow funk of I'm in Love, which features Blige's most understated vocal ever, recalling the sublimated simmer of Rufus and Shaka Khan's everlasting everlasting love. Side note, that's why I almost said side note. Um, Side note, I'm in Love is my favorite song off that album, so... Just in case you know it, that, if that comes in handy at a trivia mo- moment or something. I, I don't know why I would, but you never know. She gets into some deep southern soul storytelling with your child, a riveting paternity blues, and takes an unprecedented venture into clubland with a loving cover of First Choice's disco classic and raw material for a zillion sample-based house tracks, Let No Man Put Us Under. Now, this was one of my favorite things about the whole Mary experience and living in New York and everything like that because um, MCA did a promotional party for her where she did a short set at the shelter, which is kind of like a, um underground New York club's um, venue. And it was great because she did a short song, a short performance of her hits, but then she also mixed in club tunes like she did Let No Man Put Asunder. But she did them club records that you had to be a club person to, to really, really know. You need to be in that line where like disco and funk cross. She did records like Ecstasy, Passion and Pains, Touch and Go and things like that. Remarkably, there's some footage of the show on YouTube. So I put it on the site and it looks exactly as sort of tight and cramped but it was just magical it's just magical to see i mean my aside from just r&b you know people know that i just love club music so to see my favorite singer sing these obscure club songs it was just um it was just amazing but in I further write, I close out my spin review. I say, emotionally gripping and stylistically diverse, the album should allow Blige to transcend the limited and somewhat ap- apologetic queen of hip-hop soul. Put simply, she is one of the most significant R&B artists of our time. She consistently gives voice to the yearning, ambivalence, and pain of a generation. On Mary, her assured blues moans, gospel shouts, and jazzy inflections graph the history of African-American music. She even has Aretha respectively, respectfully calling her Sister Girl. So, it, you know, it just, that album, it just really had a powerful effect on me. It's just kind of weird when you find out something that had a powerful effect on you, and that was exactly the way it was supposed to, it, it, the intention of it was. But, um, whatever but you know as I was learning more things about the album the more crazy things I kind of discovered that I think would have changed everything for me like initially the first single wasn't going to be the lush Lauren Hill produced all that I can say but no happy holidays um which is kind of deep into the album I think and that's kind of like a how to survive the holidays if you're a side chick you know what I mean and but that they were really serious about this being the first single, and she did a number of performances of it at the end of 1998. And I think 
this uh, having it introduced like that would have changed the whole vibe. And they could have been waiting on Lauren to finish her track because Lauren, what, and, you know, she ain't necessarily known. She is definitely fast casual when it comes to pop music. She's not, you know, McDonald's. So um, that could have been part of the reason too. But even when MCA heard the Lauren single, they were concerned that it was too mellow and low key which is strange since it's much more upbeat than No Happy Holiday. And for me, I think that even at this moment where she was trying to expand, if what the, these, um, if, if we're to take to these things to believe is true, they were still trying to say, okay, well, sad, forlorn Mary is more bankable than um, wide-eyed, hopeful, all that I can say, Mary. So it, um, I think No Happy Holiday, I like the song. I just think it would have been a horrible single. It would just have been a, such a dark way to launch this particular album that um, it's one of those record industry things I'm glad that didn't happen. Another big mystery at the time was the fact that her song Sincerity with Nas and DMX was getting massive New York radio airplay. Like this was... Sometimes people don't don't live in New York can kind of not understand how a song can be a super hit in New York and not a hit anywhere else. But it was like you heard that shit on the radio constantly. They played it like it was a fucking hit. And it was even on my advance promo, but they um took it from the album and in the early interview Mary had even touted it as a b-side for the real MJB fans but um in the end she cut it and replaced it with the smoother sexy and I think probably one of the reasons why I've never gotten into sexy so much um well two reasons one is the um the sample which I just think is kind of overplayed and b just because when you write when you write reviews for a long lead magazine, you have the advance like three and four months before it comes out. So you really know that project. So it, it, when something switches, it's kind of weird to get used to it. So that's my um, thing. But I know a lot of y'all love sexy. So, you know, I'm very glad. And one day I may, I may join your troops. Um, but then Sincerity was later released on a deluxe version. And, you know, I wonder with their touring together, do they do it live? I would be, I wish somebody would um, write me up on Twitter or something and just let me know if they do that live. I would be um, very curious. But some more interesting facts. Did you know that Joe did the original demo for her scorching duet with ex-boyfriend KC not looking? I just thought that that was so crazy because the song sounds like the perfect... It's the perfect sort of exorcism of the pain of their relationship with her walking away empowered. And it has such significance because it's actually with the guy that she experienced some of those hard times with. And if it was just Joe, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think Joe has a smooth voice and everything like that. What was that, Chico de Bar, Dragadita? But it would have just done something um, completely different. The other thing I did not realize was that Kirk, uh, Mary's manager, originally wanted a Mary duet with Whitney on the album. But, you know, I guess he got to talking with Clive and they got to talking and everything. And, you know, Whitney had guess, just um, done the whole um, My Love Is Your Love project. So she probably wasn't thinking about a studio. You know what I mean? And so anyway, so 
basically the way it all got worked around is we got the wonderful Don't Waste Your Time with Aretha for the album. And they also wanted, he was insistent that they record it together. So they went and recorded that together in Detroit. And then we got the epic Mary um, Whitney duet on Aretha's Ain't No Way on Divas Lives. I'll post a video of that. So um, that definitely was a win-win. Even though it would be nice to, it would have been nice to hear Mary and Mary and Whitney on a record. I think. Lastly, the Mary Project gave us some of the best unreleased tracks and remixes. Some of my favorite, maybe my most favorite from a given project, um, which, with given my luck, means that most of them are unreleased or not released in the version that I like. But that's why I have a website. And you know what that website is called? It is called craigspoplife.com. So on that website, I'm putting the Rod Digger remix of All That I Can Say. I'm putting the original Mob Deep mix of Deep Inside. I'm putting the um, Ghostface Killer remix of Your Child. I'm putting, this is such a special remix. This is such a special remix. The Let's No Man Put Asunder remix, but it actually has first choice says Rochelle Filling, for, filling for choices, um, lead vocalist Rochelle Fleming singing to Mary in it. And it's just such a sort of passing of the torch and two generations singing. And it's just means so much to me because vocalists that kind of found their way in the club world don't get as much um, accolades as what as people that did more traditional soul or something like that, but it's clearly like Mary's putting herself into to this tradition and inviting this woman in, and it's just so magnificent. And lastly, um, what a lot of people don't know about is Mary recorded a song, a beautiful song. It's kind of like a, um, what do you call the kind of songs where people be singing together and you can't really tell who's, like a unison song, but with Layla Hathaway called Almost Gone, and that was on the Japanese um, bonus version of Mary and I also included that on the website. So um, I really hope that you have enjoyed this um, podcast. I'm sorry so off. I mean, uh, with the timing and dates and everything, but mainly I just hope that you and your family are safe and um, I'll get back to my dates. I'll get my dates back right, but you can always at me at Craig's Pop Life and say, hey, you know, in two or three weeks, such and such and such has happened, or you know Gerald Levert's birthday is coming up or something like that. I am open to suggestions um, like that, so please let me know. And if you enjoyed the podcast, it would do me a great favor um, if you could rate it. Like I said, you don't got you don't got to write nothing. Just push the number of stars. And if you know somebody who might like it, maybe they would find me annoying, but they just might want to listen to it because they like Mary. But just share it with them anyway. I might grow on them. So, you know, if you know anybody that might like it, just please share. And until next time, y'all, be cool, be kind, be creative. And the words of not only my fave, but um, honestly one of Chaka's faves too, uh, I, I mean, one of Mary's faves, too, because she once told Mary to get out her own way. But in the words of me and Mary's fave. Be your damn self. <laughs> All right, y'all. Love y'all. Till next week. Bye.